0: Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times, you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. In just a bit, we'll talk with vocalist Kurt Elling. He's celebrating 25 years since the release of his first album.
2: Really? 25 already? (laughs) Well, no wonder I look like an old man.
1: But first, let's update you on where we're at with COVID-19 stimulus negotiations. Millions of people and thousands of businesses need help to survive the economic fallout from the pandemic. But House Democrats and Senate Republicans haven't been able to come up with a bill they both agree on to send to the president. WTTW's Heather Sharon is standing by with what all this means for Chicago. But right now, we've got Illinois Congressman Rajah Krishnamorthi on the line. Congressman, welcome to Reset.
3: Hey, Justin. Good to be with you. Thank you.
1: Your reaction to the president's change in tone?
3: Well, I think, look, he um, has been very inconsistent in the way that he's responded to this pandemic. I think it's hurt our response on the health side and uh, in, in managing the health care crisis. And we can talk about that. But it's really done damage on the economic side. And, you know, he... Basically, it's governing by whim instead of facts and science and the truth. And it really hurts uh, our companies and businesses and employers throughout my district and, and pretty, w- pretty much everywhere in America.
1: Well, we were talking this week and we talked last week about whether or not the stimulus package was getting to the finish line. As uh, as more confusion comes out of Capitol Hill, what are you hearing from your colleagues about a deal getting done before Election Day?
3: I'm still hopeful. I I think that he did try to walk back some of what he said yesterday. However, just yesterday, you know, we thought that a deal was very close, it was imminent. And in fact, it appears that the negotiators were even caught by surprise by the president's tweets. And so um, I think that right now, um, I'm hoping that cooler heads prevail because so many families and businesses desperately need the support Uh, One statistic that your audience may be familiar with is that 40 percent of restaurants are going to close their doors in the next six months without any further relief, just as one example.
1: If you listen to either side of the uh, political news, you will get uh, Democrats are playing games with what they're putting into their stimulus packages. And you'll hear from the other side, the Republicans are playing games and everybody's putting pork projects and other things that don't necessarily have anything to do with what we're talking about in these packages. Why is that happening? We're in the middle of a pandemic. The last thing we need is adding extra things to stimulus packages that don't have to do with the immediate need.
3: I agree 100%. Um, You know, if you take just the payroll support program, which is the measure to help the airlines and the airline industry, it would essentially be an extension of what already was uh, enacted into law six months ago. I believe that we should extend the parts of the CARES package um, that worked. And obviously, if there are some uh, other issues that were unaddressed, then we need to take those up as well. So, for instance, you know, the Postal Service is in dire need, but also our states and localities are on the verge of, you know, laying off thousands of police officers, hiking fees or raising taxes or all of the above, and we got to avoid that as well.
1: Yeah. I just think that at the end of the day, this political fight has repercussions. There yes. seems to be a game of chicken that's being played, and it's a very dangerous game in the sense that, as you just pointed out, the American people are hurting. Are there political ramifications for, for not just the Republicans, and I know that that's probably what you're going to say, but, but for the Democrats as well, as this draws out, and, and there is a lot on the line coming up in less than a month?
3: I think there are political ramifications for everybody, because when you don't enact good policy or aid to people who are hurting You know, that really comes back to hurt you at the polls. But I think right now we have to join hands. Uh, People are hurting. Working families are facing food insecurity at a level we've never seen in recent memory. Uh, But also our businesses are about to collapse in many industries, and we need to help them.
1: It's Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy of Illinois' 8th District, which covers parts of Cook, DuPage, and Kane counties. Congressman Krishnamurthy, thanks so much for your time today.
3: Yes, sir. Thanks, Justin.
1: Closer to home, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is now saying she's given up hope that Congress will come to Chicago's aid as it faces a $1.2 billion shortfall.
0: In my view, they have shirked their responsibility to the American people. This pandemic has had a catastrophic effect on the economies. Uh, the economy of the country, and certainly the economy of Chicago and every other municipality, blue, red, purple, everyone across the country. So we have to fix this ourselves. And we will fix it.
1: That was the mayor speaking yesterday at a press conference. Heather Sharon of WTTW is here. Heather, the mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, saying that it's up to cities to fix their economic problems. And she said, quote, our moment of reckoning is right now, unquote. That sounds pretty ominous.
0: There's no doubt that the city cannot fill a $1.2 billion shortfall, which is what's projected in 2021. And I feel like I keep reminding people that the city is in the red for this fiscal year, the 2020 fiscal year, of nearly $800 million. So this is really a, a deficit of a size and scope that is really unprecedented in the city's history, and which is really due to the economic collapse caused by the coronavirus pandemic. How
1: much is that hyperbole for the mayor to say that it's up to cities and municipalities? I mean, they're having a negotiation in Congress. We just heard from Congressman Krishnamurti, just this idea that there's that less than 50 percent it will happen for the election, but the guess would be after the election that it could happen in a lame duck session. So uh, is, is there any danger politically that, that she's saying it's up to cities and municipalities to fix their economic problems with themselves?
0: Well, it's a little bit of a different tone Because uh, if you can cast your memory back to August, the Chicago Public Schools passed a budget that relied on about $350 million in additional federal relief. And when I asked CEO Janice Jackson about that, she said she was confident that Congress was going to, you know, sort of approve some sort of package to help. Uh, So that has changed in the intervening months. So uh, it's also important to remember that this will affect schools. This will affect the county. This will affect the state. It is not just the city sort of facing this uh, worst case scenario. And, you know, it's hard to tell whether negotiations are completely off. As the president tweeted yesterday afternoon, we saw a flurry of tweets late last night. That perhaps, you know, he would be open to, as I heard you talk with the congressman about sort of individual mm-hmm. stimulus checks. But really, the the sticking point for many months has been the sense that the president feels like, giving aid to cities and states would would somehow bail out blue states. And I think that that has sort of become sort of where the president has sort of, you know, thrown down his marker. That has not changed as much, has sort of gone up and down over the past several months. So I think it would be a big lift to sort of have that change either before or after November 3rd.
1: And that's the part that gets lost in this, Heather. That's the part that when we try to figure out why these negotiations aren't moving forward, is that uh, both parties are, are moving forward with, the, with they, what they want to see from a stimulus package. And in the case of the president, he doesn't want to see bailouts, especially, like you said, specifically to pol- to states that are in political opposition of him. And so what happens is it it, it stops the negotiations cold. And that's the part that I just can't understand, that we're in this moment where uh, it's pretty obvious that the impact of a pandemic is is on all forms of business, including municipalities, and playing politics at this point is dangerous. And And it seems like it's, at the end of the day, going to fall on our shoulders to pay for it.
0: That's right. And it sort of defies conventional political wisdom because you would think that the incumbent president, who by all accounts is trailing significantly in the polls, would leap at the chance to send people money and to help businesses and to sort of shore up municipal budgets. But that's just simply not the world that we're living in. It's one of those moments where I think a lot of reporters, myself are included, are sort of struggling to put that in context because It quite literally defies the law of gravity, because, you know, if you want people to vote for you in, you know, right now, because early voting is happening now, uh, don't you want to, you know, give them stuff like haven't, don't we all know that from Chicago political history, but that's, you know, just not where we are right now, and it leaves cities like Chicago um, but also cities like Miami and cities, you know, like Cleveland in swing states, uh, really sort of on the brink of having to make really desperate and, and difficult choices.
1: Well, we've been talking about Chicago, but what about the rest of the state? Both Governor Pritzker, Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza issued statements yesterday calling on the president to resume COVID relief talks And Illinois and states across the country are in need of it. What happens if Illinois budget doesn't get this finan- financial relief from Washington?
0: That's a really good question. And I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. Uh, the budget that the legislature approved back in May uh, clearly relied on the federal government coming forward with another relief package and basically said, well, you know, this plan will will tide us over uh, for the time being. Uh, but without any sort of additional aid on the horizon, um, I think that this you know, will consume the, the, the fall veto session, which is set to take place after Election Day.
1: Hmm. Heather, as, as I can't even when when the, when the mayor says we're going to take this on ourselves, we have to take this on ourselves automatically. You know, uh, anyone who's living in the Chicago area is like, well, that's taxes, right? That's that's a raise of taxes in some form uh, and services or, or property taxes. Even if you did that, even if you doubled the property tax, we're talking about a billion dollars here. I I don't know that it even covers that. So I'm not even sure a tax hike uh, in a traditional sense would get the job done.
0: It it could not. And I think, you know, we've heard from Lawrence Mazzal of the Civic Federation that because the economic collapse has been so severe that that really limits the ability of the city and the state to raise taxes to a level that it sort of fills that gap because if you're not working you're not spending and if you're not ha- if you don't have income you're not paying any sort of income tax whether it's graduated or flat or however it is levied so that is certainly something that that city officials are grappling with, uh, which is why we're hearing about the the mayor asking the city's labor unions, you know, to make concessions somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred million dollars. Mm. Although the mayor did not confirm that number, but what what we're looking at is is really a worst case scenario of a significant property tax hike, some form of layoffs or furloughs or job cuts, and, and potentially targeted service pullbacks, which, you know, I think is is really sort of going to be painful for not only the mayor who ran on a platform of sort of increasing equity and sort of ensuring that parts of the city that have been left behind in years past, you know, were no longer left behind. But when you're dealing with a fiscal crisis of this magnitude, they're just are simply no good answers. And
1: it also makes for probably the most highly anticipated budget address in Chicago history coming up in about two weeks. Uh, WTTW <laughs> yes. Chicago politics reporter Heather Sharon. Heather, thanks as always for joining us.
0: Happy to do it, Justin.
1: Just one credit shy of graduating from the C Divinity School, Kurt Elling changed his focus from, as he said, Sunday morning to Saturday night. The Rockford native decided to try his luck as a jazz vocalist full time. A few years later, he put out his debut for the legendary Blue Note Records.
2: What with the daytime on the lam, jumped in my car uptown to scram, popped in a great Vaughn Freeman jam and the coffee hit. Then we hit a jazz club called the Mill to get my second Thomas Hill. We had a great time hanging until I saw Dolores sweep into the room and then my head began to swoon.
1: It's hard to believe, but that was 25 years ago. In that time, Elling has become one of the most recognized vocalists in jazz, recording, touring the world, and nominated for no less than a dozen Grammys. He also left Chicago for New York, but wised up and moved back home last summer. He's celebrating the silver anniversary of his first record with a series of five live-stream performances from the Green Mill beginning tomorrow night. And that's not all. Kurt will play host to a number of young Chicago stars pushing jazz in unique directions, much like he's been doing for the last two and a half decades. Here with more, Kurt Elling. Kurt, welcome to Reset.
2: Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me on, Uh, It's
1: great to talk with you. So we played a little bit of Dolores' dream there from the first album called Close Your Eyes. 25 years. Does that feel like a long time or does that feel like yesterday?
2: Uh, A little bit of both, I guess. I certainly took it one day at a time, living through it. I was surprised, actually, this year when it was a couple of people on my management team who were like, yeah, man, do you know it's been 25 years? Really? 25 already? (laughs) Well, no wonder I look like an old man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you you, you aged well. You look good, buddy. I, I, just, I, I, just, oh. I watched one of the concerts and I was like, look at Kurt. Oh, what do you remember about those sessions? What do you remember about the uh, Close Your Eyes sessions for Blue Note?
2: We were uh, pulling together a team from here in Chicago, all Chicago musicians, and recording it here. And I just wanted something that maybe I could even just sell as a cassette off of the bandstand you know, my friends here in town and I pulled it together and we put nine tunes down and no automation in the studio. So every day we had to start afresh f- with the mix. And then that got chopped around for a minute and I was still trying to hustle up work. And that nine tune demo is what uh, Bruce Lundvall over at Blue Note signed me to put out. And he just meant we're going to take that and just give us, you know, a couple of standards and we're good. It was definitely an exciting time. Once we had recorded it and the word got out it was a very exciting time for me it was really one of my first times in a recording studio and i'll just you know i was definitely uh how can i say uh it was a it was a steep uh steep incline that learning <laughs> that learning hill
1: well, you 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 know you talked a lot in your career about influences i know you're a big fan of jazz legend mark murphy who was also a big fan of Jack Kerouac but but you at what point as a musician, do you break away from what inspired you and what you want to sound like to developing your own style, especially when you had a career like yours?
2: Well, you know it's an incremental move. I don't know that there's one moment when you say "I now know what I'm going to say." <laughs> you know you make small choices in the course of a given day, in the course of preparing for a given uh, concert or a given session. And the questions you ask are, what am I going to sing this time? You know, for this 25th anniversary five concert series, I've got a book that's about, you know, eight inches thick of charts from all these years. So there are several concerns. There are the concerns that, well, I don't want to repeat myself from concert to concert. I want to make it worth everybody's while to tune in. I want to certainly celebrate some of the great arrangements that we've had from past years Mm -hmm. and give people some of the things that they're hoping to hear. I want to surprise people. And it's also the fact that, you know, these concerts aren't happening in a creative bubble. I'm a professional communicator. I'm singing in a specific time to a specific audience that's also living through that time. So it behooves me and my soul, uh, to communicate, some of my feelings about how it is and try to help everybody through it
1: as an artist you feel like that's important it's important for you to to say something about the time we're living in
2: it doesn't have to be necessarily explicit but i definitely have to frame whatever it is that i'm doing in a way that addresses my audience in real time i i just take for granted that that's a part of my job It's a part of my vocation
1: yeah in the song that we played earlier, uh, just the the fact that you said I'd go to Vaughn's and I hop up to the mill. How important is it for this to be at the green mill? How important for you as a Chicagoan, but just for jazz in general?
2: Well, I don't know how how important it is for jazz in general. I'll tell you what my ambitions are. I mean, you know, you mentioned that I moved back from New York uh, over the summer, but I mean, I had my beginnings here. This is my home. This is the dream city of my youth. And at this crucial time, I want to be here in this town to help defend, you know, my city. I want to be here to share the suffering and the victories. New York's going to do fine without me. I want to be home in Chicago. So, you know, I wanted to do something like this to, 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 be, uh, to broadcast to the world from the Green Mill, uh, to, to, to give back again to the spot that gave me uh, a lift and to point everybody toward a lot of the things in Chicago that are so great that they might not be hearing about. You know, when COVID when COVID lifts and the world moves into its next stage, I want people, anybody who's tuning into my thing, to know, hey, Chicago's going to be a spot. You should make the scene over here. It's beautiful. The food is killing. The people are wonderful. I want to be a spokesman for the city to the world. And because the Internet is what it is, the whole world is right next door at this point. You know, you talk about the jazz scene, the whole global jazz scene is being united in a way that it never has been before because of the internet. People are broadcasting from all over the world and you can tune in to people playing from Mm -hmm. Paris and Milan and Beijing and London. I want to make sure that Chicago is not only represented, but that if possible, we are the fountainhead. We are the place you have to come to to get the swinging stuff. So I'm partnering with, venues and festivals from around the world actively for this five concert uh stand we've got uh friends in london jazz fm in london is a is a partner with us uh our friends at the jazz cruise are partnering with us our friends at the north sea festival in holland are partnering with us you know our friends over in ann arbor because this should be about jazz people pulling together music fans pulling together You know, we've got to point people toward the Save Our Stages Act here in the U.S. because of all the independent venues that are suffering. You know, we've got to have places for musicians to play and people to return to to hear live music when all this stuff lifts again. Uh, And I also want to point the direction toward other Chicago artists whose work I uh, adore, which is why I'll be doing Friday nights and other artists like Liz Wright, and Micaiah McCraven and Marquise Hill are going to be taking up the Saturday nights on this very same series. So I'm trying to really be as all embracing of the scene here in Chicago and to broadcast the beauty and the courage of this scene to the rest of the world in as much as my small platform.
1: Aligns. That's such a great point, because Micaiah McCraven, Marquise Hill, uh, those those are, names are, are the up and coming names of jazz and the jazz scene in Chicago. And when you talk about jazz in this country, it, it has seen better days. But when you talk about Europe and, and other places around the world, jazz and especially Chicago jazz is still a thing. It's still something that people want. So it's important for us to be able to to have a moment, have a place, a stream, if you will, uh, where people can can get that Chicago fix they're looking for.
2: Man, you know, that's that's really the goal. You know, I remember back in 2000, I was so uh, humbled to be asked by the mayor, uh, Mayor Daly at that point, to take on the performance aspect of the new year's millennial new year's celebration. And I remember the theme of that celebration was the whole world comes home to Chicago. And they invited two people from every country in the world, flew them in, put them up for a week and, you know, in all the nice hotels and everything. And I got to bring to bring on Von Freeman and buddy guy. I got to bring on all of my favorite, you know, cats on the Chicago scene mm-hmm. and put on a show for everybody around the world. I kind of feel like this is an echo of that. But it's going to be happening in real time, and anybody can tune in. Yeah.
1: You know, Kurt, when we think about where we're at in Chicago when it comes to the jazz scene, because uh, obviously with COVID-19, also this summer, Joe Siegel uh, passing away from, from the showcase, just uh, your thought about being back home, being back in Chicago, but also what jazz means to this town. Not necessarily what it's producing at this time, but what it means to the history and to, and to the current climate of this town.
2: It's played a signature role in the global identity of this city. It may not be the case that, you know, everybody immediately thinks as they do of New York City, okay, well, there it is, the capital of the thing. Yeah. But there, are, there have always been signature sounds coming out of this city. It's always been a swinging city. It's always been a city uh, that has a peculiar approach to jazz of its own. That's much more influenced by the blues and throwdown and tough tenors. I'm particularly uh, happy anytime. Somebody says, you know, for, a whole, for it's funny, for the whole 12 years I was in New York City, people, everybody in New York would say, oh, yeah, man. So how long are you in town for? What are you going back to Chicago? <laughs> like they didn't even know I lived there, man.
1: They wouldn't it was, accept it, it right?
2: <laughs> yeah. It was just like, oh, man, how's Chicago doing? Man, Chicago's great. great. It's, just, it's just <laughs> great as always. But I embrace that. I it touches me, and it it's 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 what I really want out of my life is to is to be known in as much as I am known in the mm-hmm. world as a Chicagoan. It thrills me. It gives me pride, and and I just want to make that uh, a part of the signature uh, notion of who a Kurt Elling is.
1: Yeah, Kurt. When we think about where we're at right now, you mentioned save our stages. You, you know, talking about these streams and trying to be relevant in in the conversation of arts and culture in the world. How hard is it to be an artist right now making a living?
2: Well, um, who's not paying some kind of a dividend at this point or paying some kind of a price? You know, I'll speak from my from my experience. When, you know, I lost a, a, a quite a lot of work. I haven't been able to go out into the world and, and be with my band and sing what I'm here on this earth to sing. Not since March the 1st. So, you know, I took a knock on the monetary tip You know, we moved our house in the middle of the pandemic. You know, we've only been back here in Chicago since July. And it was stressful, to be sure. I don't necessarily deal with that kind of knock, you know, in the most healthy way. But certainly there are people who are great, great, great musicians who, you know, who are suffering worse than I am. I know there's a scramble on right now trying to get academic work whereas they used to be on the road all the time, or be able to, you know, count on stuff. And so those jobs are at a premium. You know, I know a lot of people who have uh, suffered just from straight up loneliness, as the rest of the world has. And then, of course, you lay in all this other tremendous grief, anxiety, confusion, and uh, chaos that the leadership at the top of our nation is allowing to happen and, and inflaming and pouring down on the rest of us. And a whole summer full of justifiable protests, uh, in you know, just trying to yeah. explain to America the notion that a vast swath of our uh, citizenry is feeling oppressed and feeling endangered. And, like, well, hey, man, are we going to change this up or not?
1: Kurt, we're going to have to leave it there. But congratulations on 25 years of recording. Here's to 25 more. And good luck with the upcoming streaming concert.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it so much, Justin.
1: And that is today's Reset. For more info about those Kurt Elling concerts or for tickets, you can go to Kurtelling.com or mandolin.com. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening to Reset. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow.